Ah, very passable this, very passable. Uh, nothing like a good Jodie Whittaker episode here, Giles. You're right there, Simon. Who'd have thought 20 years ago we'd all be sitting here watching Jodie Whittaker and Doctor Who? Aye, in them days we'd have been glad to have a Doctor Who comedy sketch on telly. Yeah, written by any old hack who'd never seen Doctor Who. Without any plot or punchline. Or jokes. On an old 22-inch tube colour telly. We didn't have colour. We used to have to watch it on old 14-inch black and white portable set. Portable? Best we could manage was to listen to neighbours set through the wall. But you know, we were happy in those days. Though we had no Doctor Who. Aye, because we had no Doctor Who. My old dad used to say to me, Doctor Who doesn't buy you happiness. He was right. I was happier then and I had nothing. All I had was the complete set of BBC videotapes with huge holes where all the missing episodes were. Official BBC releases? You were lucky to have them. I used to have to watch a set of VHS tapes recorded off UK gold, full of adverts, half the stories missing and fuzzy pictures because I'd used long play mode to fit more on each tape. Oh, you were lucky to have those. I only had second-generation Betamax copies off a friend's recording off BSB. Oh, I used to dream of second-generation copies. Would have been paradise to me. My copies were fourth-generation at best. Noise bars and tracking all over the place. BBC video? <laughs> uh, well, when I say BBC video, it was only looking at photos in DWM while my mum read me the Target books. But it was like BBC video to me, that Doctor Who monthly, that me mum used to read to me. I had to burn my DWMs and Doctor Who Wheatleys to keep warm in the winter. Ha! You were lucky to have a fire. I'd read my Target books by torchlight with the bed covers up over my head to keep the frostbite at bay. Reading by torchlight? Aye. You were lucky. I lived for three months of the year in complete darkness down pit. I used to get have to get up at six o'clock in the morning, eat a crust of stale bread, dig coal for 14 hours a day, week in, week out, with only my memories of the green death. Luxury. I used to have to get up at three in the morning, eat a handful of hot gravel, go down to pit, and crawl on me hands and knees in the bottom of the spoil heap for a few lumps of coal, with only me recollections of Monster of Peladon, if I were lucky. Well, I had it tough. I used to have to get up at 12 o'clock at night with only half a handful of freezing cold gravel, but 24 hours a day, breaking rocks, with only the half-remembered cave scenes from Underworld to keep me sane in my CSO quarry. Right! I had to get up in the morning at 10 o'clock at night, half an hour before I went to bed, drink a cup of sulfuric acid, work 29 hours a day and pay the pit owner for permission to come to work, and the only thing between me and madness were the snatches of dialogue I could remember from the tribe of gum. But you try and tell the young people today that, and they won't believe you. No, 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 no.
<laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'm sure I lapsed in at Jamaican there. It, that, that, that'll only make it all the better, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, what I should say in response to that was, well, so does Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then to, to, to kick things off in a similar vein. Well, it's a big A up and welcome to episode three of 13 Cast. I'm Richard and here are Simon. Hello. Giles. Hey up. And Paul. How do? It's been another fortnight since we last had the chance to talk to you, and in that time there have been a couple of new Doctor Who episodes, which we'll discuss. Rather like the show proper, after an initial rating surge, 13 cast took a dip last time, but thanks to those of you who are sticking with us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone you meet to listen to 13 cast. There are 8 million people out there who like Doctor Who well enough to watch it, so let's get a few more listening to this. Mm. Simon, Simon, how are you coping with the idea that Jane Horrocks is a Lancastrian? Still really my shock, to be honest, Richard, but at least I can still cling to some things in life, like the Prince of Wales hailing from Cardiff. Who's going Will to you tell him, him or shall I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on. What about the Duke of Edinburgh? Come on, surely he's Scottish. <laughs> He's, he's pure dead magic. Hi. Absolutely brilliant. Ah, <laughs> uh, there's a set of fags, mags and bags reference there, Richard. <laughs> so, uh, any other thoughts to open with from the, the three of you? Anything uh, either hanging over from last time or any initial observations that you wanted to make before we dive into the review section? Uh, on the matter of any other business, it suddenly occurred to me last time we were discussing how everyone's favourite future racists got blasted back into the past at mm-hmm. the, as a part of the resolution of Rosa. It occurred to me, although it wasn't made explicit in the script, that having destroyed his vortex manipulator, sending him back into the past rather than to the future, was therefore one way of possibly ensuring that he wouldn't be able to come back again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just from a plot mechanic point of view. Right, good. Um, <laughs> was it established that, um, that Ryan uh, changed that setting deliberately? That he, that he would have thought that through? Or is that just reading mm-hmm. between the lines? <laughs> well, he must have fiddled with something, presumably. Hmm. So, um, well. Because he, he definitely said he'd, um, he said he'd sent him back into the past. Anyway, that was a, um, just a little bit of AOB. Yep. He was a little bit of an SOB, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What's the story about? Okay, so uh, just over a week ago, we had arachnids in the UK. Um, so who was to lead off on, on that one? I think that's got to be one of the greatest ever episode titles, hasn't it? Arachnids in the UK. I love, mm. I, I love that. I thought that that tickled my funny bone, and and then it. I l- <laughs> sorry, I like a good pun, but um, sorry, are you? Mm, okay, 
pretend I didn't just interrupt you. No, no, <laughs> I was just throwing <laughs> it open to the throwing it open oh, to good. the panels. I like a good pun, but I don't think that is one. Oh, oh dear! I've started early, haven't I? That's <laughs> yeah. not that's not a play on words. It's got like two letters that overlap with anarchy. Mm. Apparently, um, somebody might say this later. I've seen people saying it <clears throat> around in the social media space, uh, talking about this much vaunted writers' room that was referred to in some of the pre-publicity. Mm. The only one of the few examples I can think of that Chibbers has come out and referred to is that um, one of the other writers came up with the title Arachnids in the UK and his new spirit of democracy. He said, "That's brilliant. That's amazing. I'm having that. Well done." But um, if that's the <laughs> if that's what it, <laughs> if that's what it's bringing us, then I think yeah. they should all go back to their own rooms. Quite frankly. It, it, um, it, it, it's it's no is there a doctor in the horse it bloody well isn't richard that's a pun <laughs> no no indeed small small profit quick ah two in one story well one that <laughs> one that made it in and one that didn't arachnids in the u it doesn't work because you put the emphasis the stress on a different syllable well there's another and if we're in gonna, the uk is if we're going to pick everything to bits it was only in sheffield as well wasn't it it wasn't even the uk <laughs> well and how much of Sheffield? Because I wasn't entirely clear on that point, I'm afraid. So, uh, uh, arachnids in a small part of Sheffield. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we're now starting to boil down what the problem with this story was. If there were indeed there was a problem. Giles? Uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul, you're um, sounding... <laughs> no, um, no, OK, let's... let's um... Yeah, okay. Well, what were my thoughts on it? I, um, yes, it was, it was annoyingly less than the sum of its parts, I think, that story. I think it had some good direction. It had, um, a fun concept. Um, I think what let it down for me was just, um, the, what seemed like yawning plot holes and, uh, general plot mechanics. I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I'm, I'm looking on the on the positive side here. Um, thoroughly enjoyed Chris North, although once again we had a villain or morally ambiguous character. Let's put it that way, who um, got to wander off and um, apparently with nobody paying any further attention, whereas sort of normally one would expect the narrative to give him some kind of comeuppance or something like that. Uh, or for him to learn a lesson um, and I felt the spiders were used effectively and in terms of it being as about the limit of how scary Doctor Who can be given it's, um, given it's a family show and um, yes and I'm, I must confess I, yeah, I'm a bit of an arachnophobe myself my mum actually said she um, read what the read, read what the story was about, and <laughs> so she hadn't watched last week's because of that. So if there's any ratings dip, uh, it might be all the arachnophobes turning off. <laughs> um, but um, yes, I just felt that there were. It seemed to me, and perhaps I freely admit I've only watched this, um, had had time to watch it once. It seemed to me like there were some yawning plot holes in there, um, and. I kind of feel like it's the kind of thing that we're, we're you know, and without wishing to hark back to the previous era, um, it is still fresh in our memories. And it's the kind of thing that we would have just accepted 
in the Stephen Moffat as just being part of part of Moffat's way of doing business, it wouldn't have been any less annoying. But one would have just taken it for granted that yes, it's a Stephen Moffat script. Of course, he leaves uh, yawning great plot holes in there, like what happened to the spiders, what they were locked in that room, and was there a um, what exactly was the morality of the doctors um, saying don't kill them, but let's lock them all in a room and then what? Um, Hmm. But I kind of feel like in this new, bold new era of simpler storytelling, uh, where in theory everyone is supposed to know what's going on all the time and we're um, we're all on pretty much the same page, um, having great big plot holes left unresolved um, feels, uh, yeah, feels more irritating to me than in something where Stephen Moffat's juggling 20 different plots and three three different time streams, one of them going in reverse, and he then leaves a plot hole. But... Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to stand up for this story. Um, I'm not going to say that I loved it, but I thought it was, <clears throat> I thought it was decent. And um, my observation about the plot holes is that the story comes to a, a, a sort of part end, and it's daytime, and then the next thing you see is the, uh, the 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 new TARDIS crew assembling outside the TARDIS, and it's night time. So so there's there's definitely some elapsed time between the you know that that pause and the end of the story. So obviously all off screen, it's possible that they would go around and mop everything up in that piece of elapsed time, um, and they just couldn't be bothered to show it to us. So uh, I, th- yeah. I think that's I think it's yeah I think. I think that's a fair point, and that's the kind of that's the kind of um, plot hole filling that we've become accustomed to to uh, filling in the gaps yeah. to make things make sense. But it just it grated with me in this case because it just felt like, hang on, it's something where where they could have thrown in one line. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't even um, talk about it with a pal of mine uh, last week. You know, he said, "Well, that would have been the ideal opportunity for them to just." Name checks Eunice or something like that, but they didn't mm. even have to um, have to do that. Or you know, or the Doctor could have safely taken the spiders off to uh, live with their um, fairy friends on Metabolus Three or something like that. Um, do you know what? I would have much preferred that. <clears throat> that sounds silly, but it's mm. this is a science fiction program, and we've seen the Doctor do far more extreme things to resolve a story, such you know, up to and including dragging the planet Earth back across the galaxy by the TARDIS tractor mm. beam. If you can do that, and, it, and it's becoming <clears throat> slightly more of a fantasy show than a pure science fiction show, which is fine, then yes, that's that's a much better ending because it's at least proactive and visually interesting and mm. and it's just something because locking them in a room and leaving them until the food runs out is is not dramatic. Mm. Doesn't really matter what you or, I, you or I would do if we were there, and we and we had the same morals as the Doctor, and that was the only solution we could come up with. Fair enough, but you want something a bit more for your flagship extra preternatural television program. Mm. It just Simon, go, go. Why don't why, why you um, give us something? Because we, we we drowned you out after your initial. No, enthusiasm. Not, not, not at all. I, I, I think consensus amongst fandom is everyone likes the opening credits and the the theme tune. The theme tune's sort of creepy and bassy, <laughs> and it could almost have been written for this episode. It, it's 
it's dark, it's cobwebby, there are things creeping about and crawling around. And um, I liked it. I thought it was a proper old-fashioned slice of Doctor Who once again. It had a story you could follow all the way through. My kids sat and watched it with me. And um, I fell in love with this show when I was about... Th- I, was, I was three and I caught glimpses of it. And I wanted to I wanted to see it so badly again, but I kept getting stopped by grown-ups. And I've never lost the love for the show. So if there's one thing that comes out of this series in the reboot I hope that my kids will fight to see it every week and they'll push me out of the way off the city to try and watch it so I, I, I think I think the kids might pick up the torch from stories like this with, with big spiders scuttling around um, it was all done with a fair amount of, of humour as well Chris Knopf was I thought he was excellent um, when I think I saw it a couple of weeks ago but I think he he shot the giant spider and I asked my youngest what have you done? Would you have shot the spider? And Aidan normally likes guns and games like that. And he said, "No, Daddy, I'd have listened to Doctor Who." Mm. So Excellent. I think he's I think he's p- picking up the reins there. So mm. um, I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was it was creepy. There was tension at last. Um, again, I I think the other guys have said already that, that you know I think it's a common theme unfortunately there isn't much genuine threat but I thought this one was better you you weren't quite sure what was going to come through a wall or up a plug hole or something like that mm-hmm. so I, th- I thought it was much better from that point of view and you got a good look at Sheffield as well lovely Sheffield skyline I never thought I'd ever say that but that looked fantastic <laughs> so another it's another another beautifully filmed episode again mm. and um, we're going to we're going to get into more detail about the cast and the friends later on but they all had a role to play in this episode as well so um i'd give it i'd give it a 9 out of 10 this one it held my attention all the way through i thought the spiders were fantastic and i thought it was a strong um, it was a strong Jodie Whittaker performance as well so mm. all, all good for me <clears throat> yeah if I like what you say about the way your kids are enjoying it, and if this is repeated across the country, if it's true that it's bringing back families and children and non-science fiction people and people who were just baffled or left cold by the way the programme had been, then that is undoubtedly a good thing. And I would not be churlish enough to say that that they're wrong to not like it just because I'm slightly nonplussed. But I do ima- I can imagine a version which would achieve all those goals, which would please all of those people in the same way that this is, and still, and perhaps please me as well. I'm not, not saying I could write it, but I'm saying I'm not entirely sure why Chris Chibnall can't. He's a clever man. He's a professional writer. He's got a lot of experience. I'm t- I, I don't know why it's it's um, falling short for me. What Giles said about it being less than some of its parts, this episode. <clears throat> rang true for me up. There was lots of good ideas in there. And I just didn't quite think that they <laughs> fitted together in a way that in a way that satisfied me. And it's a tricky thing. I feel, you know, I feel myself sounding pedantic if I started to list list them. But Go on then. As, no no I'm not going to. I'm <laughs> not going to I I don't want to just um become prosaic about it but mm. I'm not concentrating when I think well that doesn't really tie to that and that doesn't really tie to that and you didn't follow through on that I hmm I I don't know 
I think maybe you have to be an arachnophobe to, to enjoy this one. I'm not. I like spiders. So all I saw yeah. was a load of spiders walking down a car, walking down mm. through a hotel. <laughs> I didn't see a, scary things walking through a hotel. I think they were um, big. I think your words give me hope, to be honest, Paul, because I'm thinking I'm liking it because it's better than what went before. And you're saying, and, and Giles as well, you're saying it could be even better. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing. You're not you're not saying it's rubbish. You're just saying it, you know it could be better. And I think what? the potential, you know, some good ideas for how this story could have been even better. I, I think that's a good thing. I'll preempt something I might say later on, which is that I don't want to say this out loud, but um, we've had five episodes, four written by Chris Chibnall, one co-written. We don't know to what degree. I enjoyed episode three, Rosa, so much more than the other four. And I'm not saying this as a Christian will hate her. But uh, it's far too premature for me to make any decisions about the new series as a whole because we've now got five to come. Oh, are the next four not going to be? No, hang on. We've got three more writers, haven't we? Three more non-Chris episodes to come. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what those yeah. new voices are able to do with it. Mm. Yeah, and particularly and then, next week is, is, uh, is mm. by a different writer. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, mm. that's a change. Need more data. And if that's the mm. case, then I will be able to say that his instincts of what to do with the programme were correct, even if I didn't always agree with the ex- execution, which mm. counts as positive, doesn't it? I missed positive, Paul, from last week. I knew I shouldn't. <laughs> have, I, knew, I wondered if it was too premature to reveal him. <laughs> He's gone back behind the curtain well, again the now. So, yeah, Simon, I don't disagree with any of your, any of your positive points that you made there, I think, with regard to... Um, you know, I think, or, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. It was, you know, it was well done. I, I just felt, you know, you know, unfortunately, yeah. So, so when I go off, and sort of immediately attack, or sort of, you know, have a go at the plotting, I don't. Um, I enjoyed it in the moment, but it's just, it, it just felt like it didn't, um, didn't, uh, tie things together, at the end, and it felt like it left. Left them rather obviously, you know. Hang on, what? Um, oh, is that the end of the episode then? Um, mm. Not so much, just things that don't don't connect um, mm. afterwards. And again, some of um, my pal Ian is is um, you know somewhat convinced that there's an entire missing um, plot thread or you know plot strand left there because it seemed like the whole thing with the rubbish in the flats. Yes. Um, mm. Well, yeah, that was... it was just begging for a spider to emerge from that and threaten Yaz's mm. family, and it seemed like that's what Doctor Who would normally. Yeah, that's I, what one. Yes, I, I, yes. I'm, not, I'm not listing them, but I feel like we've had a lot of those non-Chekhov's gun moments here, <laughs> where I, I mean, it's quite a good trick to week after week introduce a Chekhov's gun and not have it fired, and I, he's either <laughs> trying to be very clever in subverting our expectations. Yeah. Or he, or he's just not. <laughs> well, these are just first yeah. drafts. Mm. I, it's baffling. Yeah. But yeah, the rubbish is bizarre. Are yeah, we supposed to be? Is, uh... Are we supposed to be? Is it just there to make us creeped out every time we cut back to the flat, or did he just forget about it? But never mind all that. How far away from the town centre is this hotel? If the spiders are in the centre of Sheffield, mm. in fact, I mean, the only other place we see them outside the hotel is in. That block of flats, isn't it? Yes. Which is just well, in fact, that's that's in fact that's all we see. We only see the hotel, 
yeah. outside the block of flats and inside the I, block. I don't of know flats. how far away the hotel is, uh, but but no, that, those flats are on the we'll... hill above the town centre. Why on earth are they not? If they've got that close to the city, they should be everywhere. They should be popping up through manhole covers, and st- mm. like Terra the Orton, startling passers-by. Why point aren't they? The point of information. Uh, the um, Graham finds one in a husk of one. Oh yes, in, in Grace's house. His Grace's house. Hmm. Which is nearby, apparently. Mm. Relatively, I think. I mean, yes. if, if it's if it's in an old disused coal mine, that's not going to be in the city centre. That's going to be no. out. I mean, I, I guess they could both be on the edge of Sheffield, um, rather than hotel, right in the, the centre. No, I, those flats aren't. I've been there. I'm, I'm a Sheffield aficionado. Uh, yeah. I've followed their, yeah. their redevelopment with great interest. Mm. Okay, so so what you're saying is you're 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 assuming that um, that Doctor Who Sheffield is the same as real Sheffield. <laughs> 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 I think we have to make some allowances for me, for, um, for film and television geography, which we all we all know is always immensely irritating to those of us who know her. Yes, all right, all right, a, um, all right. But well. but um, they were outside the hotel, and the entire end mm. of the story is predicated on the fact that Ryan's. Uh, was it grime music? Was it Stormzy? Did somebody tell me? Anyway, his music it is attracting all the Stormzy. spiders to the yard. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I find it hard to believe they could hear that through the entire hotel, through the entire network of mine tunnels, but all the way back into Sheffield. How, it's just... That's what I mean when I say it didn't tie up. It felt like it changed gear halfway through the story. He never went back to revisit his earlier ideas, which he'd, which he'd moved beyond. And mm. so, and things like that, sort of knackered for me. If I'd really enjoyed mm. the feel, the atmosphere, the tone, the characters, the dialogue, then yes, I, then that would be a niggling doubt, and I would be saying, "What a shame! What a shame that one little, you know, plot thread mm. spoiled it for me." But as I found it a bit underwhelming mm. for my personal taste, that's why it just reinforces. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're going to be picky like that, oh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw some more of those sorts of things at you. So, for instance, how did the spiders affect the lights when the lights start flickering? That, that seems a little bit um, hard to explain. Um, why does the spider burst out of the bath and how come there's a huge void behind the bath that's big enough for that massive great spider to run up and down? Um, yeah. I mean, there might be a void behind the behind the bath, but surely not. An enormous one that runs up and down. Because it's no. a badly hotel, badly built hotel built by. Um, because you build your not, story around by not do, by not Donald Trump for um, <laughs> cheap and nasty. Um, hmm. yes. Or because you build your story around cool images and you literally yeah. have so little respect for the audience that you say they're not going to think about that, and if they do, it'll be the next morning, and who cares? How, how come? How come Ryan's box is just the right size for the spider that he finds, um, hmm. but too small for most of the other spiders? Um, but look, I mean, you know, the, 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 and there's a whole raft of things like that. But I have to say, on the whole, I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I didn't really engage my brain a lot in in the first time I watched it, and it was, you know, it was quite enjoyable. The time went quite quickly, and at the end of it, I was reasonably happy. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, clearly it's 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 Green Death, um, part two, and um, you know. No, no, no. The worst for that, I'd say. Yeah, I think the educate. If it's um, there to educate the kids, like a lot of these stories seem to be, then that uh, thumbs up from me. I think you can do that a bit more subtly than <laughs> bring in Doctor Science 
as a, to hang around with our regulars all the way through the story mm. and contribute nothing other than being just there to <laughs> occasionally say, oh, that's a, such and such a type of that. Uh, you know, she was the worst character in it, I'll give you that. <laughs> Astonishing. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you lose if you take, if you take her out? Doctor Who shouldn't be there. She should be there to provide any factual clarification, and she can say it faster and with a few jokes, unlike mm. Doctor Science with her clipboard. Maybe she's, maybe she's a modern day Liz Shaw. She's there to show the kids that you too can be a scientist. Okay. You don't have to be Gallifreyan. <laughs> yes, but I think there might be a subtler way of doing that. Mm. You, you, you it's a shame she, she didn't have a Yorkshire accent actually. Because we could we could have done with a Yorkshire scientist. Mm, that's true. Yes. Oh well, that, that, that that's taking the f- suspension of disbelief a bit too far. Right? <laughs> 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 oh dear! <coughs> I'll let you off this one. Okay. Talking of these um <clears throat> these running threads, we should have a s- section for um people following the Doctor around like the Pied Piper. It, the, these linear stories, even when. Okay, they're not completely linear like episode two, all of them, but there is just still far too much of a stream of people following the Doctor down a corridor. Mm. We, um, it should be two or three people following the Doctor down a corridor, not six or seven at a time. It's it's so a sign that you've either got too many pi- Piper thing. too many companions, too many guest characters, or you haven't got enough subplots. But they should not all be standing around in rooms. Looking at each other, thinking who's who speaks next. Mm. Yeah, if they did it, um, I mean, you you think of good horror films, and you you have scenes of people all walking to go, but they all get picked off one by one, and you yeah. don't. Mm. I'll, I'll give you this, Paul. You you don't get the sense in this, do you, that they're in imminent danger all the time, and you know who's going to get picked off next by a spider? Not really. You just well, lose yeah, a I couple mean, of disposable d- characters in moments that aren't particularly tense yeah. or thrilling. And Doctor Science sends Graham and Ryan back to the ballroom after they've seen 150,000 spiders. They say, "Oh yeah, 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 that's no problem. We'll go back and see if we can find a really big one." What's how how are these spiders actually killing people though? We don't really quite, quite work that one out. I mean, perhaps the paps they've got have got some sort of venom in them, but it's not necessarily all that clear. Don't we only see that they've wrapped people up and put them in their storage in their larder? That's all we see, isn't it? There's the cocooned yeah. body in the in the flat, and then a couple of people yes. down in the tunnels. Yeah. So, you know, that's nasty. Um, well, what is Doctor Who's plan to deal with the giant spider? I, I, it's a genuine question, because I didn't make any notes. But there's well, the, she, she's going to deal with all the little ones by filling the room with them and locking the door until they all die of old age, because that's humane. So well, or, she, or, or, or until she comes back and deals with them some other time, I don't know. The big, the big spider was about to die of natural causes, wasn't right. it? Right, I remember, it was, and she knew that. When, okay. the, when they turn up, yeah. it's, yeah. yes, it's going to. Yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. too big, and which again, yeah. yes, Doctor Science is, um, well, you know, it's um, it's well, yes, it's well observed. It probably wouldn't get that big, but... Yeah. Yeah. Which you could extrapolate. Presumably all the others have got a shorter lifespan yeah. than usual, rather than a longer lifespan, mm. yes. which means... They're not long for this ah, world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I tell you what, it, it, it's just as well that um, that guy um, who who um, who finishes off the spider wasn't on the um, 
the, the, the ghost monument planet because you know they couldn't shoot for toffee but he gets one bullet <laughs> and uh, uh, and apparently he, he finds the exact the right pot, uh, spot in a huge spider that uh, finishes it off mm. bang mm. yep he's american of course mm. yeah yeah they, they're, they're raised from the Americans. cradle to <laughs> was that more um, moralizing about relaxing the gun laws yeah, the pro-gun lobby. Oh, well, it had a lot of things to say to tell uh, the the youth, the youthful audience, uh, which is good. I hope they all think twice before stamping on a spider in future. I genuinely do. If that's the only well, thing, they, yes, that's the only I, thing I, they I know. Like, I like the fact that I like the fact that Jody was not all um didn't go into sky very isolated, die hideous creature die, <laughs> um, hmm. or was yeah. that TV comic? But didn't go into that kind of mode with regard to them. Was quite sympathetic to the spiders. And the um, doctor's always had a rather ambiguous attitude towards his foes, hasn't he? If they're intelligent, then they deserve a second chance. If they're not, so you know, if, if the brigadier's is blowing up Silurians, he's outraged. If it's a load of giant maggots on a coal heap, then he's he's joining in, throwing bombs at them with gay abandon. Mm, yes. Mm. So he's she he has has extended. Her moral compass since since those days. Yeah. Mm. We'll see if it stays consistent though. Mm. It... Mm. Now, yes, and you know what? I, I the overwhelming impression I came up came away with from this was, uh, in much the same way, it kind of I thought, I wonder whether this is something that young Chris Chibnall, at some point after, yeah, you know, some point around the time that he appeared on Open Air, I wonder whether it was a script that he. Once wrote once wrote for Doctor Who, in the, in much the same way as the Long Game in series one, hmm. uh, for you know Russell was Russell's teenage script. This kind of slightly came over to me that I, I vaguely wondered whether or not I thought I wonder whether this is something he had, you know, like it's a childhood you know teenage story that uh, it just had that slight vibe to it that I, I thought I wonder whether it's something he'd um. <laughs> Not together, and but hmm. this is possible. It's a frightening thought that he might have been collecting ideas for stories for the last thirty years. <laughs> how long is he going to have to stay as showrunner? <laughs> yeah, but how long is he going to have to stay as showrunner to get through them all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is this is the first. If this is the first album, then you've got to wonder what the second one's going to be like. Mm. Simon, give us some more positivity. Oh, what about that very nice shot of the TARDIS spinning through the space and time vortex? I thought that was really yeah. nicely done. Yeah, that that's, that's true. Type. Oh, yes. That's one of the best we've seen for ages, I thought. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the Gruyere cheese um, vortex now, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, yep. it's got well, lots yes. of nice little holes in it. Well described. Very nice. Yes, I like the, I like the new look. Um, yeah. Um, I can see all the Christmas merchandising being sorted out with um, the Doctor's line about I eat danger for breakfast. You can see that appearing oh, on yes. all sorts of things for Christmas, <laughs> can't you? Mm. Yeah, that, that was the line that uh, that Paul wanted, I think, you know, a little bit of witted li- uh, witty line. I, I eat danger for breakfast. Well, really, I eat cereal <laughs> or, or, or a croissant. 
or those deep fried Portuguese. What were those deep fried Portuguese things? She, she sort of stopped saying it halfway through. I don't know. Is it spiders they have in Portugal? I don't know. <laughs> that would be thematically resonant, wouldn't it? Hmm. Wow. Hmm. I don't know. Um, can I do Yorkshire Watch now? Um, it, it was it was nice to have um, uh, Yazzie's family. They they all um, seemed believably off the place, um, and as you said earlier, uh, we didn't see a lot of Sheffield, but what we saw looked quite nice. Um, the, the 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 doctor's still sort of going uh, full Yorkshire mode. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously. You know, she's not from Yorkshire, but nonetheless, she sounds like she's from Yorkshire. Um, I so oh. go on. Sorry, I, I was just about to say on the topic of her family before I forget. I liked her dad; he was a character. I, I thought her mum was a bit of a wet blanket by comparison, but I suppose the dad was the comic relief, so they, mm. he couldn't come out on location with the others. Uh, yeah. I thought we were going to get tea and scones uh, at her, um, you know, for tea, but um, of course, Pecora more um, more thematic with with their origin. I like the um, I like the I like the gag of her um, trying to pair off Yaz with yep. the Doctor or or uh, or Ryan or basically anyone. That's <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes, I like that a lot. Yes, and is she um, implying that? That was, was she... no, that was just a nice. Yeah, sorry, Paul. She, what was she implying there? That um, she knows that Yaz is open to all sorts of offers, or that she has no idea which way Yaz swings, or that she she'd never had a boyfriend or girlfriend before, and just I, maybe she's too busy yes. married to the job. Who I don't know what that's implying. Uh, I, well, I I'd go for three, but um, not sure. Right, cool. I, I read it as being she had no idea, but was but was um was. Slightly comically desperate to just have a pair of, you know, to, to <laughs> the touch, jazz a, was touch up, a Jane Austen, but um, yes, but I um, but no, I, I I liked that and I felt it was, you know, it's one of those things. It's very yes, it's it's frustrating because the the um yes Chibnall's dialogue and one has to kind of, yeah, you know, on a on a solely written thing you have to kind of lay it at his door. It seems to um. It seems to vary between you know sometimes it shows that deftness of touch that you can do you can throw in a nice line there and you think oh yeah that's very you know that's good it's both lean and revealing of character um, and then sometimes it feels so so on the nose as to be painful mm. and he's he's frustrating in that he alternates you know he kind of sways from between one and the other. But on the other hand, I'd possibly prefer that, you know, I still prefer it to everything being incredibly meta and mm. everyone being self-aware quipping machines all the time. <laughs> i tell you what then, why don't we um, have some thoughts about uh, the Saranga conundrum and then when we've done that we can come back and then maybe look at a few themes across both of the stories and, you know, look at the Doctor and her friends and so on and... and, and uh, finish up with that. Anyone like to go first on Saranga Conundrum? Well, Arachnids in the UK, I filled up a sheet of paper with notes. <laughs> the next story, I've only written a few lines, which sort of gives it away. The first one's pregnant Steve Davis lookalike. 
Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Second one is Aaron Banks lookalike alien. <laughs> and then in brackets, not much of a villain yet again. And that ab- <laughs> that's all I could think to say about that, this one. That young pregnant lad looks rather more like somebody else. Did nobody else think what I'm, I was thinking? It's a dead ringer for Chris Chibnall. <laughs> I, yes, I did. I did vaguely look at him and think, "Hang on, yes." Hmm. I'm sure it's a complete coincidence. I mean, if <laughs> it's just one Andy thing to, Pryor having a laugh, it's one thing to write mm. yourself into a story, but you don't then ask the casting director to go out and look for a lookalike, do you? Do you? No, you <laughs> don't. No, you don't. Yeah. It's a coincidence. Mm. So I thought with it, I thought there was there was a decent adventure story in there somewhere, which he then drowned in syrup. Um, and and it all kind of that part of it all set my teeth on edge. <clears throat> I didn't like the, you know, the pregnant guy was a sort of, you know, if it had been a Moffat aside for fifteen seconds, that was about all it merited. Mm. And the whole awful birth scene was just pointless, um, you know. And the physiognomy, if if he's similar enough to be human, how come you can? You know, you can be pregnant and give birth within a week, but if it's different enough that you can do that, then you know why are so many of the other things similar? It, 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 you know, it was trying to to draw similarities um, with Ryan and his experience, and yet do it in a, in, in a way that was space age, but it kind of failed with both for, on my account. And, and equally, I, I, I felt that um, the you know the super pilot didn't really connect with, with me either I, I didn't really believe that she was but if she was I, d- I couldn't really be bothered with her emotional story either no it should have been very easy really shouldn't it to crank up the tension um, there have been so many other good stories where they're, they're trapped in a spaceship I don't know pl- plummeting towards the sun or something or other and uh, you had this very clever idea of an alien that eats everything yeah, it yeah, should have been far more, far new. more jeopardy. I, I thought that was a neat idea until I saw how it sort hmm. of developed. I don't know how it was possible to to create a story that that with that little tension. When I mean, the, superficially it was all there. People were running around. Yeah. The camera, ma- the camera work was de- desperately trying to convince me that the stakes were high. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just didn't fall for it. And I think it's because I didn't care. About any of the characters, I'm not. I haven't got a heart of stone. Some of you have met me. I'm a. <laughs> I, I'm kind You're to. A old, I'm kind to old Paul. ladies and small furry animals. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, I was just. I was just baffled by the whole thing. The. The characterization, such as it was, was laid on with a trowel, but it was drowned under acres and acres of. Of um laborious world building <clears throat> another th- another thing that I've noticed it's becoming clearer things are being over explained mm. I mentioned last week that I quite like the fact that this things were clearer now the stakes were clear motivations were clear I felt <laughs> at its best that that things were being made explicit put into the text more than has always often, sometimes been the case Mm-hmm. So that the audience are never left behind. We always know exactly where we are at any given moment. This went way beyond. Uh, this was giving us details about the technology 
Oh, I, yes. I don't know if there was if it happened in the, in the second episode as well, but here, I feel like half oh, yes. the dialogue was techno babble. It was far, far, far more than you need to get the point across, and so each individual plot point was over-explained, but we kept moving from one to another with baffling hmm. speed. I never quite knew what the yeah what the trajectory of the story was at any given moment and any hope that I might be told was just l- l- buried under layers and layers of just nonsense. Those poor actors. But I don't feel yeah, that sorry I- for them because I'm not sure they're, very <laughs> they're all that good anyway. <laughs> well, that antimatter Ujima flip was, um, yeah, it was hard to, to fathom um, what that was all about. Well, I mean, it's, it, go on. Uh, no, well, you know, <laughs> being Doctor Science in the corner here, but not the one from uh, actors in the UK. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, well, I was actually. Um, you can find my my comments on this um, uh, chat from the Radio Times was actually in touch with me. Um, <laughs> last week, um, through my pal Simon Guerrier, um, who uh, yes, and and wanted wanted sort of my opinions on, but so I was I was privy to the fact that there was a antimatter um, drive involved in this, because uh, they wanted to, my opinion on whether the dialogue was you know, stood up, and. Yes, it's all. Yeah, you know, it struck me. So I was kind of waiting for that. I think it stood up as up scientific, <laughs> scientifically yes. textbook accurate. I'm not sure it stood up as dialogue, but yes, carry no, on. Sorry. Yes, exactly. I didn't mean to interrupt your, you know, was, your moment of yeah, fame. This is exactly what I was going. No, no, this is exactly what I was going to say. That I was um, that's that's how I felt because they kind of get, gave me the dialogue out of context, and and I said yes, this all seems correct. But then seeing it, seeing it actually in that scene, I was just thinking. We don't need to know this. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. Yes, I mean it's, it's nice that you've got it accurate, but um, it was odd that they sort of went on about positrons, which are antimatter electrons, kids. Um, but <laughs> without without then sort of explaining what the positrons did and why that was the secret to you know Doctor Who. Doctor Who stands and explains a lot of science, mm-hmm. and then says it's beautiful with a big grin on her face. Fine, mm. great. If you're going to, if you're trying to teach the child, the audience, the kids in the audience, that for science is beautiful, there are yeah. more subtle ways of doing it. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. They should have got Brian Cox. He could have gone. He, he could have done one of his trademark gazes into the near distance and just said, "It's epic," <laughs> or something like that. Um. I don't know. Why did the uh, that woman's brother not ever tell her or anybody else that he was equally capable of flying the ship out mm. of... I thought this was such a skill that she was the only person in the galaxy that could do it. So he stood there and watched her give it a try and <laughs> kill herself in the process. But then he could have done it anyway. Did I miss something there? It's entirely possible. I'd given up the will to live at this point. I don't think you did. I think it was just... Um... It was thrown away with a um, with a reference to you know he just said oh yes well, I'm I'm in the family so I was born to do this whatever the family yeah. name was, and um, I'm sure he just did, reached inside himself and found it in that moment and he didn't previously know he was capable I'm sure that was it. Use the Which, force. No, it's implied that he's been. I think it was implied that he's been uh. trained. He was had some 
education in it. Which then, as you say, does rather leave the question of why he then let his sister um Well, maybe he wanted her to die. Um, mm. and, and, and all of the uh, the rest of it was just flannel. Uh, not that I don't believe that. I'm just trying to fill in the gap. And strangely enough, I just remembered another um, beat that I was expecting. And uh, the, uh, the, the android, um, the shameless android who... Um, who was uh, her um, consort or whatever they mm. referred to him as? Um, and at the end, they had that line of dialogue about, oh, you know, oh, so you, you know, basically, basically, the guy's going to be turned off now, mm. and that's you know, he'll be for the scrap heap. And, and he had this sort of, well, was that just left like that with him? That's I thought he was going to was take him, him on. I thought they were going to bury their hatches and and um, oh, right. he was going to. Ha- but was that actually then but made explicit? No, it wasn't. So I was thinking oh, exactly yeah. the same thing. Yes, That's a shame. I, I was hoping you would get turned off. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, it was very hard to tell because although, you know, it's always very difficult to have one actor going around being deliberately androidy mm. and and emotionless and having slightly off-kilter delivery when you are surrounded by a cast who are kind of also doing that. Um, mm. I try not when to... The, when the supposedly human characters were not... Didn't seem that much better. <laughs> I tried to focus on criticising the story for what it didn't do, but I just feel there's so many missed opportunities. And why on earth didn't you go that way with? Why didn't the thing try well, eating? A, why didn't that central, little creature try eating? Concept. Why didn't that little creature try eating him? He's the he's the only character who's made out of metal. Oh, yes. You could have got yes. some fun out of that. No. Yes. Didn't occur to him. Mm. Mm. Well, true, and and yet they made a thing of the fact that because at some point they they made of the thing thing fact. A thing of the fact that he would be immune to the toxins on the critter's skin, so he was the only one who could touch it. And then I thought, hang on, yes, but he's also an android, so. And yeah, as you say, they didn't go anywhere with it. <laughs> this business uh, of these I stories. The, um, I, I, I thought the actual. You know, I, once again, it looked great. Um, editing wise, yeah, editing and directionally. We, once again, we had this problem of, you know, of frankly having too many characters possibly running around and, and just having to stand around in the background of the scenes waiting for their lines. And yes, I, 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 I like the central concepts and the little critter I thought was, mm. a neat, was a neat idea. But yeah, but the but then it was uh, rather like Terror of the Vervoids in that it's a, um, it's a crew of, you know, it's, um, let's, have a, let's have a great monster going on the rampage. Um, yeah, have a neat idea for a monster going on the rampage across a ship and killing us, killing the most boring characters you can possibly um possibly find. And I probably using the word character is um the wrong. Yeah, character is not the right description. Well, I mean, actually, disappointingly, the only one that they did kill was the uh, the medic. I I kind of almost liked him. Mm. Yeah, I, th- some of the other I think that's because you're supposed to. I think you're supposed to really like him. So the fact that you almost liked him, I think, it's, it suggests that <laughs> <laughs> he didn't miss every target he went for. Yeah, mm. I. Mm. Mm. Simon, pull us out of the morass. I can't really, guys. I, I, I you know, um, Yaz had a strong showing in the previous Spider story. I, I thought I was hoping this was going to be a Sigourney Weaver Ripley moment. <laughs> and she was going to leap to the fore and expel this alien from the ship, but it never, it, you mm. know, even when she was mm. she was tooled up with a 
a staser mm. or something or other. You know, it never happened, unfortunately. And it was it was it was a flat story all round. You know, for all the friends as well. And it was a bit of a flat Jody performance as well. So uh, really disappointing for me this one. Mm. Nice drop kick maybe from Yas though. Nice drop kick, yes, yeah. Nice. I, actually, I, I thought the actual the plot resolution was was quite neat once you if you've actually set up the stakes the actual mm. in terms of the plot mechanics the idea of using the self-destruct yeah using the self-destruct that's been th- fitted to the ship and is yeah threatening the ship to feed the creature with enough energy that it'll to be fair i think it's probably the tightest constructed plot that we've had so far there were just enough ideas in there and they did mesh mm. and we Chekhov's gun was fired and so on and so on yeah Hmm. It's just unfortunately it also fell the flattest in the execution, so that was kind hmm. of kind of wasted. I'm not saying it needed to look like Alien, but it didn't really lo- look like anything. It was it wasn't too bright in the sense that people tend to moan about eighties Doctor Who being too bright. I'm not saying it needed to be in <laughs> dark steaming uh, corridors with rain with for no apparent reason condensation dropping on people's hmm. heads. It's just. There was it's just a bit nothingy. I didn't really get a sense of the geography of this ship. I didn't really ever understand why every, everybody was off in their different sections. Couldn't mm. really get much of a feeling for. Mm. Although there was, there was ten, um, tension inverted commas. That yeah. people we did see scenes of people frantically trying to do certain things. It didn't then it then cut to other scenes, which didn't seem to have any relationship relation yeah. to them. I know that. The um, the pregnant chap, pregnant Chris Chibnall, was there to <laughs> focus our sympathies on as the most obviously adorable. <laughs> I assume this was the idea. Mm-hmm. Character. <laughs> I quite liked him. I didn't have a problem with that. But it was a that's some pretty extreme emotional manipulation. Yeah. Well, you'd have thought the oh, um, you'd have, you'd have thought the the pilot actress would have been wary about being typecast and surrounding herself with ambulances and, and doctors again, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's quite weird when you think about it that they've got they've got a teleport at the place that they end up at, which they can use to send them back to the place that they started out from. Hmm. But but rather than teleport them from the place they started out from to the place at the end where they could get medical treatment, they bung them on a spaceship that takes forever to get ah, there. I missed that. That's that's careless hmm. of me. I must Good have been point. too busy trying to digest an earlier line of dialogue when they said that. Okay. Hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe, so, well, maybe the tele maybe maybe the teleport only goes one way. Mm. Yes, one can hand wave limitations of teleport technology. Now, and all of that malarkey. Knowing um, Doctor Who fans as I do, I imagine the most controversial part of this story is going to be the realization of the little little thing of me, the Pating ah, Patang. I, I, li- I like the little Patang. Pating. Someone's a Goon Show fan, aren't they? I <laughs> dislike it. I think possibly in another story, I'd have liked it more. Uh, seemed, for me, they felt like a, a big mismatch between its cute appearance and what I thought was the tone they were going for. Mm. Um, if if there was generally, if that mismatch was deliberate, that you're supposed to look at it and think, "Ah, it's nice." How can that thing be so destructive, stroke e- evil, stroke dangerous? Mm. Did that really mm. come across for you? I didn't feel like anybody really commented on it. Did anyone? Yeah. Well, no, they didn't well, under... And the, and they didn't I, under uh, I'd rather it have been a giant spider or something. I don't know, something more traditionally... 
mm. scary looking would have been what this story needed for me. Well, they did. They didn't really have that. They didn't really have the scene where they played it against type, as you, as you mm. say. You didn't yes. have you didn't have anyone taking in yeah. Bruce Yes, exactly. Yes. There should have been at least Whereas, one scene. Somebody go yeah. out to pet it and have a yes. hand bitten off. Well, depends mm, on the yeah. rating. Uh, possibly mm. not Sunday evening. Yeah. So, what about the general way in which the villains in are always in inverted commas? None of we haven't we've had we've had people doing very bad things. Hmm. Um, but of any of them, none of them have really been a traditional Doctor Who villain stroke monster of the old school, have they? They're not here twiddling their moustaches with, a, with an obviously, unabashedly wicked plan. No yeah. one's trying to take over the universe. There's always a, a twist on it. And it's not, and he, this is obviously deliberate, and, and that's a good thing, of course. Um, well, I mean, occasionally, I wouldn't mind occasionally having some proper monsters coming in. But you know, it's a good idea, and he is indeed. Well, he's Tim at least... Shaw wasn't. Um, Tim Shaw was probably as close as we've had. Yeah, but he had a. He had a. All right, he had an, a, a motive. He had a shtick, separate yes. from takeover. All right. Mm. What I mean, I, yes. I don't mean they're not evil, but they're not. Mm. None of them have just wanted to conquer, conquer and vanquish things for no reason mm. in that way. No. <laughs> You've always filmed Doctor Who monsters, did in the old days? They would conquer and vanquish your planet, and then think, now what do we do? Mm. Well, we've got it now. What do we do next? Don't know. Oh, I never thought that far. Oh, well, so here's another one. He's, uh, he's also avoiding, because Moffat in his early stories would be consciously avoiding those cliches and those tropes, wouldn't he? Or, or, mm. But to the extent that he invented a new cliche of his own, which is really unfortunate. It was such a clever idea, the technology gone wrong thing. Mm. It seemed very new to me in the Doctor Who world, but he used it again and again and again. Mm. Until people think, oh, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be, yeah, it's bloody computer's gone mad, hasn't it? Of course it has. <laughs> so, and I just feel he was better at that. He could, here we have something in the middle. People who are not nice, but they're not, they can't be dealt with. They don't serve the function of the plot and they can't be dealt with by the Doctor in the way, in quite the way that the villain would be in the old days, so there's there was something lacking from the resolution for me. I and mean, this this worked. I liked the fact that she could save the ship, save the day, mm. and also help out the little critter. That's clever. Mm. I, but I, it hasn't worked quite as neatly for me in previous weeks. Viz our discussions about I mean the way that they um, sort of botch dispatching the time racist, don't they? Mm. And that slightly strange morality of of what happens to uh, Tim Shaw. Mm. Yes, the, and yet, and yet, this is from the man who uh, gave us dinosaurs on a spaceship with one of the um, one of the most arguably mm. controversial cases of the Doctor apparently mm. um, killing a villain in you know or allowing a villain to die in more or less cold blood. Mm. And that was lovely. Doctor Eleven, of course, who wasn't mm. known for being such a taking such a hard line. Mm. Any thoughts on that, or if I have said far too much, you've no idea what I'm talking about, have you? No, no, no. absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, got I it. See, I see your point. We got I it think, twice. Think... We got it twice in Arachnids with mm. um, the spiders 
because they're not sentient, they're just doing their thing. They're creations mm. of somebody else. Yeah. Ergo, we don't just drop a bomb on them. Good, yep, get that, understand that. Mm. Trump is led to walk away. That reminded me, I couldn't really, it reminded me of nothing more so than the ending of, uh, oh, what's the one with the Titanic in space? Yeah. Do you remember the disaster movie with the space Titanic? Yes, it's And that ends with the, the most unpleasant self-serving character just walking mm-hmm. away, not having reformed, not having learned anything from his experiences. And then, then he gave an interview, and then he gave an interview to Benjamin Cook. <laughs> not him, <laughs> the other. <laughs> <laughs> not Mr. Bouquet. <laughs> Back then, I thought that Russell was quite clearly making making a point about how it's it's um, insulting your audience to show everybody getting what they deserve in these stories because mm. that doesn't happen in life. But here, I'm not quite sure where it was going. And the fact that so many villains have sort of walked or fallen or been propelled out of these stories but are still alive, is mm. either, it's happened so often that people are starting to think, is this going somewhere? But I'm just thinking, is it an abdication of responsibility on the part of the, on the, part of the writer? It doesn't want to commit. We can't have... Yeah... Do you know what I mean? We can't have the doctor yeah. killing people, quite rightly. But how many other methods of dispatch are there? He's avoiding the other cliches, like them falling to their own traps. But mm. when, when you cross off all these things that are now, after 50 years, Doctor Who cliches, if all that's left is them to just wander off or, or just, you know, you just move the camera away and say, nothing to look at here, then th- there's... It's just slightly unsatisfying dramatically. Mm. This strangely enough reminds me of something I've um, been discussing, just, just to turn this briefly into Bake Off cast. Um, I don't know whether anyone else has been watching <laughs> the um, recent Great British Bake Off. Of course. But, um, yeah. But yes. Um, yeah, I've been talking to, well, um, Cassia, my other half, for one. She, she said, and a couple of other people have said, you know, they seem so desperate to avoid repetition of tried and trusted favourites that they're going down you know they they're sort of flailing around looking for new things yep. to yes. do you know this this series of bake off has yep. slightly felt like well what's wrong with getting to bake a spectacular looking cake yep. yeah so, yeah so almost every week it's, they cut to um paul and say so we've never done that. this is new yeah we've never done this on bake off before like but there's some. It got to the point yeah. where you start to think, well, there's a reason for that. And in the yeah. <laughs> yes, in the final when they uh, yeah had them <laughs> making making naan breads on a campfire, it was beyond pointless. I wasn't think it? that finally mm. jumped the jumped the arachnid yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. It, it it should be called the Great British Jump the Shark off probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know, in the same in the same vein, bring it back subtly to Doctor Who. You know, sometimes you. Sometimes you want to have the Daleks taking over the universe, or at least some some alien that is unremittingly bad and and will end up having to be blown up or sucked into their own time vortex or otherwise um otherwise destroyed in a in a um, fairly horrible way. And that's all part of the rich tapestry that is. 
Well, it's true. Tr- storytelling. It happens in fairy tales. It's not mm-hmm. completely. There's a reason that it's part of our the dramatic texture of our inner imaginations. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um. Turning back briefly to um to the Saranga conundrum, uh, another thing that I thought was slightly um odd, which was just something I was. I thought I might as well, uh, just when we were talking about it and, and the placement of characters and so on, I found it very odd that, um, especially when you had some, you know, some not, some less than stellar guest performances, it seemed very odd that the brother and sister um, were left to do their own thing. It just felt like, well, hang on, why isn't one of the, uh, I'm going to use the C word, companions, um, in that scene with them, you know, it felt like, Okay, Ryan. Mm. Ryan could have been birth partnering the pregnant guy and and having his having his moment there, and um, and then Bradders could have been off. Um, Graham could have been um, perhaps with the you know help, helping with the piloting side of things. Yeah, so I, I, that, well, a that good, plot. You know, as as a bus driver, I mean, you know, you probably you know does have some. <laughs> <laughs> some I'm not skills. saying. It, uh, yeah, I'm not not saying he had any transferable skills it just felt it just felt like you know it was odd you had you know you had Yaz and the doctor dealing with one thing yeah and yeah but mm. it, it seemed like you know and then you put the two companions somewhere else and then you had so therefore you have you know two very you know rather unengaging characters um stuck on their own and we're we're cutting back to them you know doing yep. their pilot doing all of the piloting and stuff in a very undynamic way and I think that was I don't know how much of that would have been script versus you know that felt like the way of showing them piloting the ship was about the most undramatic thing oh absolutely yeah. I know the I show mean, imagine. I know we haven't got an endless budget but for goodness sake when mm. you're told that when you've got the opportunity to have the ship weaving its way through a dangerous asteroid belt yeah. and the best you mm. can do is somebody standing up Pulling faces with a thing in their ear. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. It's one. Ex- it's the sublime to the ridiculous. I don't know. I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I know it's I supposed admit... to be character based, but that would have kind mm. of relied on them being more engaging characters to pull. Yes, really pull yeah. that off. I'd, I'd have. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. Too many I, scenes I, in. Too many scenes in general with the supporting characters on their own without any of that. We've mm. got four regulars. Well, There's no well, excuse the for having people. That's... You've yeah, either got too yeah, many regulars exactly, or they're... too many guest cast. Mm. Yeah. And I know no, which that's one the point of the function of having. Having four regulars is so you can put you you always, you know, from a hmm. writing point of view, I would imagine is so that you can always put you know put a audience identification figure with with whoever the new characters are in whichever scene. Yeah. Um, All the things I'm moaning about are the sorts of things that your script editor would be supposed to spot at an early <sighs> stage, or certainly um, at, at the stage before but, it gets on the screen. Is there a script editor? Yes, there are loads there of is. people, and the, and Most I'm just think if this wasn't written by the the only, this the wasn't written by the showrunner. I think it, I think it would get picked up on, and that's yeah. that's a bit of yeah, a worry. Of the, yes, I'm sure. Well, that, I'm sure Russell and Stephen did get notes from their script editors, I'm, and I'm sure they managed. You know, over the years, I'm sure their poor quaking script editors managed to pick up one or two things that they'd <laughs> otherwise miss. But there's there was a reason why those people were in the mm. big chair, getting paid the big money, and but the showrunner shouldn't be above. Uh, correction, 
No, mm. no absolutely no. I, mean, I can't believe nobody been, else is spotting these things. That's what's. This has always mm. been an issue. It's, it seems like you know. I know. You know, I've I've had a tendency to, you know, make that same, you know, have that same complaint with regards to the Moffat era over the past few years, feeling like there was no one there, you know, who would who who was saying to him, well, hang on, this doesn't make sense. Um, mm. I know, I think it's you know possibly it's a, it's an issue with this showrunner based, you know, model of you know having, because in the old you know and. It's a it's a different era. We make TV in different in a different way, and um, but you know, in the old days, you know, it was obviously you had a producer who often, you know, with a, with a few exceptions, you know, JNT being the most notable, often had story background, writing background themselves, and then you had a script editor, and they you know and they were, you know, they were overseeing, you know, the writer. And you know, and, the, and usually the producer then did, you know, as I understand, the producer more or less became de facto script editor when the script editor wrote a wrote a um, wrote a story, or certainly had had quite forceful inputs over that. And I think with Russell and you know, with Russell and Julie, we obviously know that um, that Julie was very um, hands on, and you know, because we have Russell's own account of it. Um, in a great length, you know, that she would intervene and, and would um, obviously stand up to him and say, look, this isn't making sense, you're not giving the right payoff here, and she seemed to have a very good grounding in story and the seniority to to be someone who was a counterpart to him that he would have to listen to. And I've never never really felt like any of, any of Stephen's many executive producers really had the same um, kind of story grounding that they were they were going to talk to him about that and yeah i don't know it's an, it's an issue isn't it i i wonder if you know before we end up running for two hours we <laughs> might um perhaps have a, a a bash at talking about um jodie whittaker as the doctor maybe a few thoughts about the the friends or companions and then bring the thing to a conclusion there how's that sound do it that sounds like a very good idea i have one other one other point i'd like to just make though if that's sure right. yeah I'll go on throw this out there um another thing that it occurred to me to, to watching this one uh, which i only watched a couple of hours before we came online to do this um was um this was with all the attempts at world building and all of this kind of stuff, um, which was all done via laborious dialogue, and it struck me that, you know, so far the Chibnall version of Doctor Who has had very, very few monsters or weird-looking creatures at all. We've had an awful lot of human-looking aliens. Mm. You know, our, um, you know in, um, in the Ghost Monuments... All of our characters that we actually saw were were basically human, um, mm-hmm. and and again in this we didn't really have anyone. Yes, yes, we had a kind of stilted actor, and we had a you know we had a very nice piece of creature design for the um, for the Pating, but um, but it's funny because you know well it's it strikes me as odd given that one of Doctor Who's characteristic things is it's the show with the monsters. Mm. Um, and we had Tim Shaw, and Tim Shaw was an effective, seems to have been 
seems to struck a chord with people at the time. Um, but, you know, it's just like, it's odd. We seem to, you know, anytime we look at the future, yeah. we have a very human, you know, it's just, it's just humans in uniforms. I can, I can only assume it's mis- to be from other planets and with other anatomies. Is it some misguided attempt to bring it back down to Earth and to make it more relatable to the to the audience? Because you wouldn't really think that was necessary after after thirteen years, and it certainly wasn't the way Russell approached it. Although he was mm. wasn't keen to show us alien planets in two thousand five, he showed us a lot of freaky creatures, and the second episode mm-hmm. was entirely devoted to a parade of them. Yeah. So it's, mm. yeah, that's a bit odd. And I do think mm. I do think freaky creatures are you know I I, I miss. I miss freaky creatures. I mean, we're not in a. That's what Doctor is all about. It's not yes, about exactly. people with a couple of uh, ridges on their forehead and a slightly different position depending mm. on which planet they're supposed to be from. It's about way out there. Oh, mm. um, no, carry on. It's all right. No, it's all right. Did, I mean, we're not. We're not in a. Um, we're no longer, sadly, in the in the environment where we're gonna, where we're likely to get mass-produced um, waves of action figures. But you do rather wonder. If we were back in that environment, um, the licensees would be uh, possibly tearing their hair out, thinking, "What the hell do we make action figures out of in this?" Apart from the apart from the main characters, um, hmm. what is there for us to make freaky figures for the kids out of? They can make when a sort of... otherwise the series is so targeted, at, you know, being targeted rightly at kids. Um, it seems like an oversight or a weird decision. I think you should, they should make a full-size head of, um, of Tim Shaw that young children can have in their bedroom, and they can put each as each of their uh, milk teeth falls out. They can <laughs> stick it on the face until they've got the full set. How about that? Oh, get Genius. character options on the phone. If we have a discussion about um, Jodie Whittaker next and, and her doctor and what we think about uh, about her and how that's going, I'd say for me she's been a bright spot for the for the last two stories. I th- um, uh, there was a lot of her in uh, in the last one, mainly because the as you pointed out, the companions weren't doing very much. Um, and she has had, uh, as we've also mentioned earlier in this um, discussion, a few wittier lines. I mean, not not fantastically witty, but then you know, they're nice little asides, and she she carries them off quite well. She she seems to me quite engaging, and and uh, and to be honest, I uh, you know I'm still seeing her as being the Doctor. I don't really have a uh, um, any issues with that. So on the whole, I'm pleased with what she's doing. But what do you think, guys? Think? Yeah, <laughs> she's definitely definitely arrived as the Doctor and made her mark. So that's good. Um, nobody mentions gender, even people who don't like the show. They, they, I don't think the gender change comes into it at all. So I think she's made the role very much her own. Um, I think I preferred the the um, the Doctor in. In deference to Paul, the Spiders of Sheffield, mm. I thought she was much <laughs> better in that one. Um, yeah, me too. This this last one, I can't I can't even say the title, unfortunately. But um, 
I, I don't know. It, it seemed like she was going around in circles a lot, and I don't. I don't like it when she goes sort of shrieky and hyper. I, I almost found her annoying in this. Which yeah. Is a bit of a shame. Five episodes in, when I've been so keen before, so I don't think she's been well served by the way she's written. Sometimes it's obviously not Jodie's fault. Um, but yeah, you can go too far. You can have too much of a good thing. <laughs> she, well, I will say she's. Um, I think I said the other week that she was looking like a more vulnerable doctor than we've had for a while and i'm st i'm seeing that carried through she's uh she was apologizing quite a lot this week hmm. as well as being well it would have been nice to know how they ended up treading on a sonic mine and they were combing through a all that scrap metal or whatever it was with with detectors mm. because then we'd have understand you know she clearly apologized for something she'd made them go there but it would have been nice to know why it kind of came out True. of nowhere happened yeah went it wasn't like a <laughs> it's hardly like that massive arc of david tennant's hubris putting the universe in danger but she clearly bollocks something up and apologized for it and it wasn't even necessary and it, Another thing is, why do they keep starting with a, a two or three minute scene that would be perfect to put before the titles, as in the um, mm, in the modern yes. day pre cliffhanger yeah. tease thing, and then but not putting them there? It would be perfect. Mm. And yeah, mm. we get the title, then we get a short bit that has nothing to do with the story, and then we carry on baffling. It almost makes me feel like they've changed their minds about where the titles are going after they've written and filmed them. It does feel that way, yeah. But uh, I couldn't work out what the point of what was that supposed to tell us about the Doctor. She sometimes gets things wrong. What a great, well, it was a bit, what a great thing to learn about your hero. <laughs> it was a bit fluid link esque, wasn't it? You know, where <laughs> the doctor monkeys about and puts everyone in danger, and then Maybe. it turns out that he didn't need to. Yeah. No, I'm I'm still I'm still fully on board with Team Jody in terms of um, you know I, th I think she's great, but again I yeah I would agree that this this week it felt like the the script and you know direction. You know, didn't serve her terribly well. This um, the scene where she was, um, and perhaps you know, perhaps the intention was to depict her desperation um, to get back to the TARDIS as another sign of her um, vulnerability. But mm. but her increasing stroppiness um, in that scene, just uh, yes, it did somewhat great. And you just thought, oh, is this is. Hmm. It just it did feel slightly off. Um, yeah, I, and, and I didn't need actually that rep. The one reference in uh, scene about five minutes in, where she starts bigging herself up as being uh, having a whole chapter, you know, a whole volume about in the their annals about how brilliant she mm. is. I, I, I kind of hoped we'd kick that into touch yes, a couple of series yes, back. Yeah. I'd, I'll, mm, okay. I okay. I didn't personally think that that was as similar to the new who. Um, God Doctor thing. I just thought that was the Doctor's always been showing off, always did in the classic series. Mm. I thought that seemed more of a piece with with the, <laughs> his general character, inability to let an opportunity right. to big himself up pass by. Mm. Maybe, yeah. maybe yes, maybe you're right, and it's just like the um, we're hypersensitive to it after mm. a, <laughs> after you know, a decade of deity, yes. deity level Doctor. You know. So I said to Napoleon. Bony, I said. <laughs> yes, I can that see why you started, thought it was going that way because it started with some, the other character recognising the name the Doctor. You're not the Doctor, are you? Which mm. so I, I must admit I did have some alarm bells ringing because mm. 
that mm. um, that's another one to tick off in my unofficial list of things that remind me of the 80s. I do wonder if that's Mr. Chibnall's favourite era, because the uh, apart from the TARDIS looking for... Well, I'm not going to go through them now, but everybody suddenly know... Everybody knowing who the Doctor is, everywhere he goes, was a very 80s thing. Before then, mm. it only ever happened in stories written by Ian Stewart Black. Ian Stu- the three Ian Stewart Blacks mm. and everything's written or scripted by Eric Sayward. Yes. So we seem to be back in that universe where... Everyone's heard of her, but luckily, not in the sense that they they fear her. Just in the sense that, oh yes, I think I read that in a book once. That's that I can cope with that. Okay, and then the companions. I mean, we've talked about them quite a lot, but uh, but I suppose yeah, across the piece. I thought Graham had settled in really well. Um, the others, the others sort of flit in and out, and they're a bit peripheral. And you're thinking, oh, have we got too mm. many characters? And in the Spiders of Sheffield, again, in deference to Paul, they um, the scene where Graham went back to the empty house. Uh, that um, that actually. That, that was actually quite sad, and that made me care about Graham all the way through that episode. And he had a he mm. had a good good strong story, but then in the then in the um, I can't even say the word. Saranga. Thank you, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he sort of morphed into Harry Enfield, and he was like, "Oh, oh, you don't <laughs> want to do it like that. You want to do it like this, you know? Why, why you know?" You're one of the crew. What are you doing poking around with your own spaceship for, sort of thing? And, and he was really annoying, yeah. I thought, in that episode. And he, he seemed like a different character to the one we got to grow and like in the previous story. So, disappointing story for Graham in the in the last episode. And then Yaz, oh, oh, she hasn't still hasn't really grabbed me as a character, unfortunately. Yeah. She mm. seems to be struggling a bit. It's been a disappointing series for Yas, hasn't it? I mean, she's five stories in, and we still don't really know that much about her. I mean, we met her family, I suppose, but we did. She still didn't have an awful lot to do in that that story either. I find her much more engaging than Ryan, but mostly the actor. I just think she, I can see more going on in her face and in her eyes, which is yeah. not to say he's bad, but I just that you know she makes me want to know more about her. In in episode in the spiders one, I was baffled that she didn't mention she was a police officer when she arrived at that hotel and had a gun drawn on her. What on earth is mm. that all about? I don't, never mind whether you're off duty or not. This is this is fiction. She would. I can't believe that any fictional police officer would would not mention it. Mm. And she's yeah. Is she a I probationary? Is she a probationary officer or a, but you a know fully, what I mean? Re- or a full-blown police? That was that was yeah, that was the only excuse I could that was the only excuse I could think of that she didn't react as that in exactly the way you suggested, Paul. Yes, yeah, so if this was the bill, made <laughs> and we really cared about the documentary realism of police procedures, yes, fair enough. But you know what I mean? A, a fictional copper is going to behave like a copper, aren't they? Otherwise, why are yeah. they why are they a copper? Mm. Yeah, the Sweeney wouldn't stand for that, would they? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, threatening a police officer, it's doesn't. It, it's not going to say, oh, hang on, it's okay, she was only probationary, we can threaten her all we like. <laughs> Put your pants on, spider, you're nicked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm liking them all, you know, we seem to be, we're having bits for various things. It was, I was pleased to see that the, um, the rumours of Sharon D. Clark being a recurring 
um, having a recurring role appears to have possibly been laid to rest by her um, her brief reappearances um, in hmm. Arachnids in the UK. That was nice. Um, yes, yeah, I, th- I thought that very was very unusual nice. for Doctor Who, completely unprecedented, but mm. but it worked. Yes. Um, yeah, quite nice. Well, well, apart from Adric in Time Flight. <laughs> Don't let's go there. Yes. <laughs> um, that was just a ruse to get him into the Radio Times and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think um, I think it was nice. Uh, you know, it's a, the the thing is again, again, Vandy <clears throat> Waters showing that he can do you know, he he comes out of it best of the three, probably um, a because of you know his experience and b because he can do a lot more um, you know well because of it because he's talented he can he can make a lot more out of very little in the scripts I think whereas if the script doesn't serve them hmm. the others are um, you know then. It's left slightly floundering. Just... I can I could understand when on the re- on the occasions when it's um, when it's Graham that's in the background not doing very much. It makes sense. That's part of his character. I know we're gradually seeing him coming out of his shell, but it's quite well established that he isn't really the sort of person to jump into action. But the other two are young; they mm. should be bouncing around like like proper Doctor Who companions. They why are they so lily livered? Just standing there at the back, like they look like they're going to raise their hand when they want to speak. Excuse me, Doctor. Can I can I chip it? Not now. <laughs> <laughs> or, what about the next scene? No, you can have five minutes yourself in the middle. In the middle. Yes, yes. That's where I'm putting it. In the middle, when the rest of us are running around frantically trying to save our lives, you two can stop and have a chin wag. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm aware of the dramatic device of people having personal chats on the run in the middle of a crisis, as well as. It mm. works as well as people explaining exposition on the run in a crisis. It's, a, but they just stood, stopped still, mm. in the middle of one of these blank, featureless mm. rooms, and had their chat. And I may have sighed so audibly that my wife um, just sort of patted me on the knee and said, "It's all right, Paul. It'll, it'll be over <laughs> soon." <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, was I going to be positive? I was, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, you, you did, you did really, really well, um, uh, and and perhaps I won't moan too much about um, about Ryan and and his kind of slightly duff backstory as well in in the Saranga um, conundrum. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it was all right, but it just felt like it was a bit strained that that Ryan happens to be the same age that his dad was when he had him, and and the same age. As the other guy who's having a baby, except how come that he's exactly the same age when their physiognomy is so completely different that they can get pregnant in a week and have mm. a baby? I mean, it, but anyway, apparently they're all the same age, and so therefore he's going to grow and recognise that his dad was all right after all, maybe, or something. Hmm. Bit convenient. What chances we'll see his dad before the end of the series? Right. Quite high. Quite high. Hmm. Yeah, we're seeing Yaz's granny next next week, so yes. Hmm. So yeah, I'm just looking at this. So so next week, um, we've got Demons of the Punjab. Uh, we got the trailer of that. Um, 
And as you say, that's that's, a, that's going back into Yaz's past. So maybe Yaz gets something to do. Episode seven is going to be called Kerblam. Good. Apparently, yeah. Mm. And if so it... we'll be reviewing those two in the next uh, next time with the, that we get together. And then episode eight apparently is called The Witchfinders. And all of those three have different writers. Yes. As indeed does the ninth one. So Chibber's only returns for episode ten. Mm-hmm. as yet untitled well that should tell us something shouldn't it mm. yes well it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see with you know how these characters are finally going to be able to you know hopefully expand and um you know how mm. they're going to perform perform with different people writing them and because so you know i think the series has been getting so much right in terms of the visuals and the presentation of everything and so on, you know. Like I said, this this week felt felt to me like it was directorially probably was the weakest link. Um, yeah, it was really really the direction and the editing were seemed to be flat, and that was what let <coughs> down. And you know, I think I um, guess they'd probably gone for a documentary type feel with the camera work on the lots of shaky cam and and steady cam and whatever you call it, but. There wasn't much any, variation. Any in, angles? There any wasn't very much. Well, no, um, there wasn't much variation in the shots. It almost entirely seemed to cut between one shot of mid shot of two or three people, to another to another one, mm. about this, from a different angle, but without <laughs> much variation in terms of what do you call it when the camera is either closer or further away from somebody? That aspect of it. Zoom. Hmm. No. There wasn't no, really no, a lot sorry. of. Uh, Depth of so I, I just, I mean, Oh yes. Well, mid-shots and all of that malarkey. Yeah, that, that didn't really help. It just... Close-up mid-shots. Yeah. Yes. Have, have we said anamorphic yet? We, uh, we, we, we have to we get ha- that contractually into each episode. Yes, yeah. Well, we have now. <laughs> anamorphic in the UK. <laughs> so that <Yeah>. works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, do you know what? That, that, that is our episode title. Mm. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that it? Should we go drown our sorrows? I think, I think that's it. <laughs> or celebrate yeah, yeah, as? So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. And I think um, it's not been not been as quite as much of doom and gloom as you thought, Paul. Although we, you know, we've certainly panned some aspects of those two episodes. We've also had some uh, some nice things to say. Simon, we haven't heard you for a while. Have you got a last thought for us? No, for for you know, two shows that we were all a bit wary of finding anything positive to say. Perhaps we've found a lot to talk about, haven't we? I think in the end. Yeah. So let's hope for greater and better things from the from the upcoming episodes, and and see whether the the changing writers, the switch over to other writers, makes a difference. Mm. Well, it's so hard to judge anything from the from the tiny little trailers and stuff that we're getting, which is. Very difficult nice, but, to do anything. But, um, but based on the um, based on the trailer for Demons of the Punjab, you know that's again it looks um, it looks spectacular and gorgeous and um, yeah, mm. brilliant. But um, we shall wait and see. Well, thanks for that, um, Giles. That's a nice positive way to end uh, this episode of Thirteen Cast. And uh, we look forward to you know to seeing that one next week, and then uh, kerblam the week after. Okay, so I guess it's time for each of us to say goodbye to our few remaining listeners. 
uh, you know, who've made it through this hour and a half um, long fest. So uh, goodbye from me, Richard. Goodbye from me, Giles. And I'd like to apologise to um, any Yorkshire people that were listening. Uh, Richard <laughs> made us do it. <laughs> he did. Yes, goodbye from Paul. Uh, that wasn't actually me reading my lines at the beginning. That was <laughs> <coughs> the genuine Yorkshireman that I, I hired. Because I did... <laughs> Yeah, goodbye listeners. If you promise to come back again with a few more friends, I promise never ever to do a Yorkshireman again on the podcast. Oh, oh that's what that was. Hi, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <aye>, lad. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, thanks everyone, um, and we'll see you next time. Ta-da. Press stop now. Yeah. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this program, please contact the <laughs> Yorkshire Tourist Board. <laughs> you said it. What? <laughs> Zero. Well, why not? <laughs> it's fine. Carry on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's average Planet Mondas rating for this week's episode, wasn't it? Paul, Paul, it's your line. Oh, are we still on the script? Sorry, where's this?